Justin, it's been a while since we have done an, uh, a podcast together. We've been doing a lot of solo ones. I know. I'm excited, Dan. You know, we both had some live transitions on either end, but now we're resettled. Looking forward to season three and the beginning of a new series of shows. So looking forward to it, brother. There we go. Me too. Thanks so much. And thanks so much, everyone, for listening with us. We have seen a lot of growth in our downloads and subscribers. So thanks for following along with us. We hope that you have enjoyed this journey of uh, learning what it means to be a missionary disciple more and more and how we can how we can make disciples and how we can draw other people to Jesus. So as you know from the title, this episode is going to be all about updating our language. And Justin, when I say that we need to update our language, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Marketing. Mar so okay. <laughs> my background is marketing. That was my undergraduate degree. I thought my life would be in advertising and God had other plans. But, you know, I'm always thinking from that lens, what what communication will grab the audience as we're trying to reach? And and right now we, we have a balance here because some of our language, we don't want to change. And we want people to understand what these terms mean. But other language we use, we could modify to better reach the audience in front of us this day and age. So do you, is there any part of you that feels nervous with the idea of let's update our language? Yes, especially what, how some might react if language were updated. But I want to be clear. I think we have to just delineate what are essentials we'd never change. But what are some things we can change or at least words we use when introducing like a catechetical topic or something like that, yeah. you know, to give a runway for people to understand it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, just to make sure that nobody thinks we're introducing a, this like random idea on our own, this has actually been called for by the church. So um, for probably the last 50 years, about every 25 years or so, the church produces a document called the Directory for Catechesis. So they produced the first one, I think, in 1977. That is after the Second Vatican Council. They, so first one in, in 77, and then an updated one um, right, or, right around uh, the turn of the millennium and turn of the century. I want to say that was also 97 or 98. Um, and then, or that may have been a national directory for catechesis. And then just a couple of years ago in 2000, summer of 2000, they released a, a new directory and they just call it the directory for catechesis. And in, so first of all, it is a, it's a great document for understanding what the church means by catechesis and evangelization. And I would say that if people embraced it, we would see dramatic improvements in all areas of, of catechesis and handing on the faith. Um, it is a, there's there's parts of it are, that are a little dry, but overall, yeah. I I mean I've gone through it multiple times and really really enjoyed it. I've mm -hmm. gone through it with with groups of people, and the response has always been the same. Like this is so good, we love uh -huh. it. Yeah, just comment on that, Dan. I was, it's funny I was thinking about this yesterday because sometimes we think we have to look at like the latest and greatest thing or book by someone, but the wisdom of the church always, always applies and is foundational. And, you know, if I was meeting with a new youth minister today, I said, start by reading Renewing the Vision, the bishop's document on youth ministry. It's beautiful. It's foundational. Then you can layer on all the new fancier stuff yeah, on top yeah. that are newer stuff or whatever. But the church's wisdom, the writings of the bishops, that's always the first place to start when you're thinking about, you know, uh, an outreach, because that's, that's going to be based on the catechism, the teaching of the church, scripture, and sacred tradition. So it's always the first place to go. Yeah. And one of the things, kind of to, to piggyback off of that, the church 
just understands through the guidance of the Holy Spirit the way to do things well. And so what's what's remarkable to me is how much those things align, like what the church proposes for catechesis, how much those align with research-based principles in education, like things that we know work. And the church got there first. And so, um, you know, rather than, than kind of looking at the at some of the things that she's doing and shaking your head and saying, this is ridiculous. Um, I often find that I look and say, wow, how did she get there first when the rest of the world took so long to, to get there? Um, I think behaviorally and psychologically as well. Um, but the, so going back to the new directory, the new directory invites us to update our language. And um, the reason for that is that the world changes and not that we change the truths of the faith. And there's even expressions of the faith that we don't need or don't want to change, but there are ways of sharing and communicating the faith with people that can be updated. And the church is asking us to, to do this. So I'll read just a couple passages from here. So um, you can actually find a guide to the directory for catechesis put out by the USCCB. So we will put a link to that in the show notes, but um, this is from paragraph 44 of the new directory. It is urgent to rethink the work of evangelization with new categories and new languages that may serve to emphasize its missionary dim dimension. That is the missionary dimension of the church. And so, I mean, right there in the kind of the early parts of the document, it's saying, um, let's be willing to think about the way we say things and the way we present the church so that uh, people can be attracted to it appropriately. Um, as another one, this is uh, this is one of the, the questions that that study guide puts forth. What are some of the challenges to the enculturation of the gospel today? Identify new languages, new categories and new languages that the directory of catechesis calls for. And so that's what we're going to spend this episode doing is thinking through um, some of the new categories and new languages we we might be able to use. And really, for for those creative types out there, like this is your day. This is the time for you to uh, to harness your your creative ability and recognize what are the the new places we can bring the gospel which is really the invitation here it's to mm -hmm. to go into language and thought that the gospel hasn't yet touched and evangelize it and baptize it uh, yeah i also i'd also say it's a good a good episode so i think one great thing about god putting us together dan is we think differently you're that creative out of the box guy i'm the more standard let's just stay in the lines here what are the protocols guy so I'm thankful for this conversation. Help me stretch a bit and think, think a little more deeply about this, um, because we are in an age where uh, a lot of the old principles of how we communicate the faith just really aren't applying as well. You know, we can't do what we did 30, 40 years ago. We have to think about. And really what I heard in that statement was just new boxes, new categories of thinking, not changing the faith, but maybe shifting them into different places, different ways to say it so that it's digestible to today's uh to today's culture yeah so I'd, like one one example is in america i don't think in general we like argument from authority right now i think <laughs> um that just right. causes all of us to rebel a little bit like the fact that somebody would tell us what to do oh yeah we don't like that and yep um the, like argument from authority is the strongest and the weakest and so as a, if if culturally we don't accept authority well then that means nothing to us. And so uh, I can remember so many times where I've heard people say like, well, here's why you should be moral because the church says so, or that, you know, the church says to, to stop using contraception. The church says to, yeah. um, you know, stop 
like exploiting people. And like, well, who's the church to tell me? And part of right. the reason is the church's witness has been tarnished because of sinful people in the church. Um, and that's, I understand why people would, would do that or would, would take that approach and say, you like, get your own house in order before you tell me how to live. Yeah. Um, and yet when like, you know, with the theology of the body from John Paul II, when he explains the why, all of a sudden it's life-changing and it's not a burden. It's a, it's a gift. Yeah. So the, well, go ahead. Well, you know, I think part of it though, I agree with you. It is that, um, yeah, maybe that blaming on individuals that have misrepresented the church, but, but at the same time, a lot of it too, is just that inward desire for rebellion, go your own way. Um, and I think that's why this um, emphasis by Pope Francis, especially with many writers and many people over the last 20 years on accompaniment, walking with people, not telling them what to do, but gently nudging them towards God with each interaction, being an example. And even right in, in uh, one of those uh, directories, right? about. I mean, it, it's woven throughout catechetical documents that you are the walking catechesis. It starts with you as the catechist. You know, that's why this has become so important in today's in today's culture. You know, not coming down on people, but walking with them, gently guiding them towards God. And then through you, you can help build credibility for the church because you are the church to them. You might be the only church they see. So it can start with you. So that I'm going to start with that. That's the okay. first thing that we nice. could. I mean, and it's not like it's the first thing that came to my mind. So it's okay. definitely not the most important thing. Okay. Um, but you know, like you said, you are the church. So, right. um, yes. it, I'm not going to say changing, but expanding what we mean. Okay. That is a change, but, um, we're not, we're not abandoning a definition. We're expanding our definition of what we say when we mean the church. And so, um, I don't think that's anything new though, brother, because no. St. Paul, or when Jesus appeared and said, Paul, Saul, why do you persecute me? We just read about the conversion of St. Paul. It's like, yeah, yeah. What do you mean me? It's like, yeah, that's Christ's body, the church. Yeah, yeah. So just some some things to think about. Um, the word church in people's mind might have negative connotations. But if the if we can shift that so that when people hear church, yeah. they think the body of Jesus. By the if, way, when we're saying people, we're saying non, you know, non-members or the disaffiliated. Right. So we're thinking of that segment right now as we talk. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's definitely ways that within the church, like to for the new evangelization, we might need to update language as well. But, um, you know, I've thought of this recently. So in, in our work in, in diocesan ministry, Justin, you would probably very frequently hear things like this. So you, you go out to a parish, you want to visit somebody and you hear, well, the diocese makes us do this. Yeah. And what they mean is the chancery makes us do this or the yeah. bishop and his his team of people that he has gathered around him make us do this. And yeah. like, you know, if you understand the authority of the church, that's actually legitimate. That's like, a good thing. He's a, yeah, he's allowed to do that. That's his job. Yeah. Um, but when they say the diocese, like they are the diocese because the, diocese, the diocese is the entire community of people. It's that it's the well, local body of Jesus in that uh, in that area. The local church. The local yes. church is the bishop um, and his people. And a yeah. uh, little anecdote, Dan, I had a I had a priest that I'm very close with for many years that he changed my whole thinking on this. I was meeting with him at a Panera with a couple other young adult leaders. We were trying to start a young adult ministry. And, you know, I kept saying things like, well, the church should do this or do this. He looked at me and he said, you are the church. I was like, yes. oh, snap. 
I got to do something about this. I can't wait for someone else from yep. the church to show up because by my baptism, virtual baptism, I am the church. What am I doing to reach those around me? Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a, a great example. And I think the shift that would be helpful is for us to move from thinking that the church is is over there apart from us like the church is yeah. those people you're and right instead that's huge. the church is us like we either do yes. first person plural we or yes. we do first person singular me yeah and say like i, I am i am the church and not to be haughty and prideful no about it, no but, no um you know wherever two or three of you are gathered in, in my name there i am in your midst and so uh like your family my mm -hmm. family is the domestic church and yeah. so when people encounter my family they're encountering the Catholic Church, which is, I mean, what a great, that, to me, that's, well, that's, that, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, well, it, that's part of the embracing missionary discipleship. We're taking on that responsibility. It's like, oh, snap, I am the church. So because it, it you know, for, for so many people that, that haven't been around the church for a while, they are watching your every move and studying you. Yeah. And you do represent the church to them. So if we all embrace that and, and approach this great, mission of evangelization together wow will we get so much further you know? yeah um so a couple a couple things I'll, I'll add this here this is from the catechism so um if you haven't started catechism in a year you can still jump on that bus and it, you know it'll take you a little bit yeah. of time of listening to two episodes a day and maybe listening to it in double time um but we, they're only, we're only on day 27 now so that's not too bad but um just a couple days ago we were reading through um, paragraphs right around 169, 170. And then this is where in the creed. So we're talking about what it means to say, I believe, or we believe. And I want to, I want to read two sections here. So this is 169. We believe the church is the mother of our new birth and not in the church as if she were the author of our salvation. And the, the, it's subtle there, but believing something and believing in something. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when we talk about the idea of having faith, right? We don't have faith in the church. We have faith in the Trinity. We have faith in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And that's the, you could say the source or the, the like it is God who is worthy of that entire ascent of our intellect and, and our love to give everything to him. Um, now, okay, yes, the, the church is the body of Christ, but what the church is saying here is, and this is a quote from, from one of the saints, is that, um, we need to be careful what we we uh, mean when we say I believe. So we don't want to act or or in some way convey that the church is the source of salvation, that the church is a source of, of authority. Mm -hmm. And there's an, another one here. This is the next paragraph, 170. We do not believe in formulas, yeah. but in those realities they express, which faith allows us to touch, which is crazy to hear. Like, so, to, I mean, for the church to say, yeah. Okay, the creed is a formula. We don't yeah. believe in the formula. We believe yeah. in the truth that it expresses. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what what's key with that is um, if a formula, you would say, like, yeah, the, you, you know, believe in the go, truth go ahead. you believe in the, the truth it is expressing, right? It's like um, praying the rosary, for example. I don't know if this really is very well. Praying the rosary. The rosary you hold in your hand is the means by which you actually do the prayers where you reflect on the life of Jesus walking with his mother. So the rosary is the set of prayers itself. That's what you're doing. Whereas the, the rosary you're holding is your tool to help you do it. Does that, is that kind of on the same yeah. wavelength there, Dan? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, so I will, um, I'll throw a couple ideas out there of, of ways that we can continue, continue to update our language and maybe even invent new words. And so here's a, here's a word that a saint invented transubstantiation. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. if Thomas Aquinas didn't invent that, he invented yeah. a new use of it to yeah. apply to that. Like the idea that one substance becoming another, that may, maybe that's from Aristotle. I don't know. But yeah. in terms of applying that to theology, that was a, that was a first for Thomas Aquinas. And so that's what the church is inviting us to do. And now that word is, it's like, it's part it's, of our, it's the most normal our thing identity. for us, right? Yes. So we well, have that word expressed more eloquently and deeply, right? A, a deeper truth about the Eucharist. Maybe it helped us understand the Eucharist because a word that comes to mind is one we talked about earlier is like accompaniment. I think the church is going to have to narrow down on a definition of that relatively soon because it's expressed in a lot of different ways, but it's almost one of those things that is starting to soon need. Now it's not on the level of transubstantiation or anything like that, but right understanding true accompaniment where we strike that balance of walking with people not telling them what to do but at the same time not just letting them do whatever they want because that's not true accompaniment right true accompaniment right. is leading someone to towards christ towards a better towards a higher calling yeah, you know what i mean sure. i mean it, mm -hmm. it's something that i think we're going to be flushing out in the years to come yeah so some thoughts on on how we can begin thinking about this so insider versus outsider terms yes how frequently do we use jargon and yes. assume that other people are going to know it and that's not like that has nothing to yeah. do with the church like that's everybody i mean like you you sit down with an engineer and they start talking to you about no, that's everything you, yeah you i mean you've got to be thinking who's yeah. in front of me because if you're like i'm going to talk to this disaffiliated young person i'm meeting at a coffee shop the same way i do to my catechist it's not going to go very well yeah, yeah, we always got to think about who's in front of us, just like St. Paul. The examples are right there in the in scripture. So, the some other Christ ideas, himself. yes, yeah. So, some other ideas here, um, talking about volunteering versus being called, yes. or having a vocation, yes. being a member versus being a parishioner, yes, um, being registered versus belonging, yeah. And this is. I would say like this is a huge part of, of parish culture no, I mean, huge is maybe a, an overstatement but it's a part of parish culture right now yes. that there's this there's markers of belonging and it's a way of, of i think unintentionally drawing a line in the sand to say this is who's in the club and this is who's not and um, a part of the effort to evangelize is to expand what it means to be who's in the club just like Jesus did, not any more than that and not any less than that. So to say, like, there's nothing that can hold you back from God. And so, um, you know, when uh, I think in Florida, this was less of a thing. You and I both grew up here and spent a lot of our time here. Um, there's less of a sense of of connection to parish over places where the church has a, a much longer history and people would grow up in neighborhoods and maybe have ethnic parishes where uh, they'd say like, well, I'm a part of, of St. Anselm or I'm a part of yeah. St. Patrick's. And that was really a, an identifier. Like I, I remember um, hearing that some people would ask you, I want to say this was in, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. People wouldn't ask you where you lived. They would ask you what parish you attended <laughs> because that was such a, a uh, the like Catholic important. Culture, you gotta, yeah. You gotta love it. Yes. I've yeah. Been and a couple of places that really have that culture. There's a church stones throws away from another church mm -hmm. and uh, 
yeah, that was very much still part of the conversation. However, I would say, and you and I have talked about this before, you know, this phenomenon of younger people, you know, younger than ourselves. And, and yeah, I would say it's, it's younger than us, uh, not registering, you know, but, you know, I would say we shouldn't get too hung up about that. If, as long as they still have that sense of belonging to the church. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and that's again, like I'm not trying to say that we make belonging just what like belonging comes yeah. through baptism. Like you become a member of the church through baptism. But yeah, like anybody can be your friend. Well, it kind of and... happens naturally, too. I mean, we're in a day where I think it's less of a formal conversation. Like, would you like to register? It's they get involved. They make relations. And all of a sudden, they, it just is. They are yeah. part of the community, you know? Right. Right. So um, wanna, as we as we kind of come to a close here, I want to um, bring up a, an idea. And this is a question. Unfortunately, like I don't have the answers. I don't have a list of words and languages and ideas here. That's for the church to work out. That's for well, you maybe and someone me out and there our friends. Does. Yeah, if you do email us. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the pastoral challenge. This is from for paragraph three seventy from the directory for catechesis. The pastoral challenge is that of accompanying the young person in the search for autonomy, mm -hmm. which refers to the, the discovery of inner freedom and of God's call, setting them apart from the social crowd to which they belong. So the one of the biggest challenges we have right now is is individual autonomy is huge yeah and that's it's just a cultural swing right and it is what it is there's other countries that don't have that ours does have it right now the west has it right now so that's where we find ourselves okay so when we evangelize that's we need to go in with the mindset and the understanding that to this person individual autonomy yeah. is probably far more important it, it, than everything that freedom of choice which we believe yeah. we believe yeah. the freedom yeah. of, we don't want to force them no, not join at all. or whatever. But yeah. if we can let them freely choose, help them choose the good. Whew. So our language can assist them in recognizing how following Jesus mm -hmm. is the perfect expression of their freedom, of their autonomy. Yeah, and there's freedom. nothing mm -hmm. that will give them more satisfaction than that. And that it's this, this, you know, like nobody wants to be forced to dance. Well, this is a this is uh -huh. an invitation from the Lord to spend our life with him. And so you, and you play into that when you talk and you say Christ came to, you know, when you get into a real deep conversation after you build a re re reputation, all that, it's like Christ came to free us from our sins so we can choose the good, you know? Um, and I think part of the answer to all this too, Dan, is we got to get over any potential like hangups we have about certain words. Cause you know, you might hear autonomy and be like, young culture now, it's like, wait, just, just listen to what's going on here. They yeah. are looking for, individual expression for freedom help them see how the gospel gives them that yeah to the max yes, you know you, and the like, lives of the saints and amazing yeah. people this is an, an invitation to to embrace language yeah and you know maybe we subtly shift it maybe we just turn it slightly and we use that momentum to help lead people to the truth i and love that analogy it's like it's fun them. man use yep. their momentum use yep. the momentum yep. they have for whatever they're desiring to help them fall in love with jesus yeah that makes sense well, that's a that's a good place to stop. So, friends, we invite you with us. Let's think up new language, new expressions, new ways of translating the faith into the language of the people that we live around, because it might be different than their language is different than ours. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have the beautiful task of translating the the eternal and enduring truths of the gospel into language that they can understand. So best of luck. Count on our prayers and please pray for us. Peace be with you and God bless you all. Bye. God bless.